This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, my grade 12 history teacher said that that song right there with Boney M is actually a pretty accurate reflection historically of what happened in Russia at that time. So I've always taken it to believe it's a history lesson, that song. It's probably why I love it so much. Let's talk about what's going on over in Victoria today. Richard Zussman is with us. Uh, Richard, are you a Boney M fan? I'm not. I was worried that you're going to ask me about Russian history, of which no. I know very little. <laughs> that, well, you should listen to that song. You would it. learn more. Yeah, then I would know it all, right, Simi? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's, I'm telling you, look up the lyrics. I, it does not disappoint. Uh, so Richard is here to talk about what's happening out of Victoria today, and there is a lot, right? Yeah, there sure is. This is going to be, you know, we hit the end of the month here, and so there's a chance to reflect back on April and look forward at May, and there's a bunch of events happening today, so lots unloaded, and then there's some non-COVID-19 related news coming out of Victoria too. So yeah, lots to unpack. Okay, so rent is due today. Uh, That is something that a lot of people have been calling on the provincial government to do more on that front. Yeah, so this is one of the things where BC was a big leader here, implementing uh, relief for renters, the first jurisdiction in North America to do it, a program that a lot of people uh, need because it's been a struggle to pay for rent for those who have lost work due to COVID-19. But now that the program is out, there have been some issues raised. We've heard stories of uh, some people telling their landlords they're just not paying the rent because they don't want to, and that the uh, sure they'll apply for the uh, rent subsidy, but they're not going to pay the remaining amount because uh, there's no tool for which uh, the landlord can evict them. Uh, there have also been issues raised about the amount of money. So it's up to $500 that uh, a couple uh, can apply for or a family can apply for. And as you know, and the listeners know, in Metro Vancouver, uh, in many cases, that does not go very far. No. And the uh, be it landlord BC has called on that being increased to $1,000, which would help provide you know, more money. And the way the program works is the renter applies, but the money goes straight to the landlord. And the concern uh, from landlord BC is that, you know, the $500 uh, is not enough to cover what renters can't afford. And so there are a lot of calls we're going to hear from uh, Finance Minister Carol James this morning at 9.30 about another benefit, the $1,000 provincial benefit where applications are now available uh, starting today. Uh, So if you are eligible for the CERB, and there are a few other eligibility requirements here in BC, make sure you go online to the government website today, uh, and look to see if you're eligible and if you are apply uh, for that $1,000 benefit, uh, those checks uh, or that money will start being distributed uh, next week. And so Carol James will speak about that, but we'll also no doubt hear uh, from her about uh, the uh, the renter's uh money and and the sort of holes that still exist with that program. Right. Okay. Uh, one of the other things we should talk about here are the numbers. The numbers have been pretty good for the last couple of days, particularly those ICU numbers. Yeah, they have. And those ICU numbers, we can now reflect back on the entire month, Simi, and it shows the work that has been done in terms of preventing deaths and and the work has been done by British Columbians following along with those restrictions. So 
On April 1st, the ICU number was 72 people were in ICU on April 1st. And if you look yesterday, there were uh, 30. So it's a much different situation we're looking at now at the end of the month than we were at the beginning in terms of how we have COVID-19 under control in terms of hospitalizations and then those that are in the most uh, critical of positions. And so this is all important as we look towards next week when Premier John Horgan will start outlining these restrictions that are being lifted. We're going to get on Monday some modeling numbers. It doesn't sound like it's going to be as extensive as we've seen the last two presentations. And the only reason why is the last two are really laying the foundation for what BC is looking at and how these decisions are being made. You know, now we're going to be looking at these modeling numbers for a very different reason. It's going to be how we're going to start easing restrictions. Why are we using these numbers to ease restrictions? And so uh, the ICU number is a big part of that, that as we start getting under control cases and hospitalizations, then that's why BC feels it's time to consider start easing. And it's going to be a slow, slow easing. I think people really need to get their heads around that, but it is going to be an easing. Okay. And even though it's going to be an easing, I think one thing we're not going to see reopening, it sounds like, are the, is the casinos. No. And that was, you know, Dr. Bonnie Henry said that's the last thing that she'll consider reopening. There are just so many factors involved in the casinos, you know, just not worth taking the gamble to open it because there are so many um, situations there where it could allow for the spread of COVID-19. And so uh, it's one of the things that the province did actually close and will be one of the last things that reopen, according to Dr. Henry. Right. But that's a big hit for a lot of communities, isn't it? Because that's where sure those is. community gaming grants come from. Yeah, absolutely. And and the money that comes in from casinos then gets redistributed to so many community programs. And those programs uh, are suffering from a lack of those revenues. And the community grant program is a really important uh, sort of part of uh, funding mechanism that the provincial government has. And so the province will have to consider ways to figure out uh, distribution of that money to those programs. Uh, in some cases, those programs simply may not be running due to the pandemic. But in other cases, these are programs that are essential for providing services that are important during the pandemic, uh, food services, uh, support services. Right. And so with the, with those so crucial, the province needs to figure out ways to, to find a funding mechanism uh, if the casinos are closed long, long term, as, as it looks like they could be. Uh, let's also talk about something that is not COVID-19 related, but boy, back in February, this was all we talked about. And this has to do with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs, and they've reached a deal with the provincial government. What is this all about? Yeah, so this is, as this issue has been all along, Simi, this is complicated. And this stems from the conversations that took place. And, you know, it's hard to remember back to before the pandemic, but there was huge tension points, obviously, between the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs who are fundamentally opposed to the Coastal Gaslink Pipeline uh, and the federal and provincial governments. Ultimately, Scott Fraser, the provincial minister, and Carolyn Bennett, the federal minister, went up to Smithers in northern BC and had conversations uh, with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs about governance. And not time for a history lesson. Maybe they'll make a song about this one day too, so everybody can catch up on what's going on with the Soatin. But long this song. is about it would be a long song. You're right. So this is about elected band councils and hereditary chiefs and yeah. the roles that they play in making decisions. This memorandum of understanding that came out yesterday is about ensuring there are now further discussions about the roles of hereditary chiefs 
and ensure that those roles have uh, power to make decisions along with elected ban councils. And the MOU will be signed virtually. It will take place in a few weeks, but it's just a starting point of those discussions. We don't actually know what was agreed upon in the conversations. We don't know what the community agreed upon. And we also now know that the elected ban councils in Lewitsoden don't feel like they were properly consulted for this stage of the process and feel like all of this should just be delayed until after COVID-19 and the communities can actually sit down and have face-to-face conversations to figure out how to work together. So there's still a lot of steps to this. And then the last factor here, Simi, which is important, is these discussions have nothing to do with the support of the coastal gasoline pipeline. So even though the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs may have come to an agreement that they're happy about about their governance model, they are still going to oppose the pipeline and what that means moving forward and the work on that pipeline and whether other groups across the country, like we saw before, get behind them. All of that is still up in the air. And so I I don't, yesterday uh, was no resolution. It was just an establishment that yes, this process continues to move. Okay. Thank you for that, Richard. Yeah. Thanks, Simi. Richard Zussman, our Global Om News reporter in Victoria.